In T-minus three, two, one, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Seiko and his friends are doing it again. The Hang Time Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, because the show's about to drop. Welcome into the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Seiko Smith, here in Atlanta. Safe at home, like I hope all of you are during this global pandemic dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, we have some interesting perspectives on this edition of the Hanging Time Podcast. How this stoppage in play and then basically everything has come to a, a standstill. How it's affecting people in the basketball world, maybe on the other side of the world. Um, Bryce Cotton, uh, NBL MVP and champion for the Perth Wildcats, joined us on this podcast. And also David Gale, a coach in Germany uh, with some NBA, deep NBA experience, deep grassroots basketball experience also joins us to talk about how this has affected domestic and foreign basketball leagues with the stoppage in play of sports all around the world. So I hope you enjoy it. It's very informative. Uh, you get some perspectives from places other than where we are here in the United States. So it's really a detailed conversation about the coronavirus, its impact on the world and on the game of basketball in particular from Bryce Cotton first and Coach David Gale second. Another edition of the Hangtime Podcast here under very different circumstances than we're used to. Seku Smith here in Atlanta and joined um, via a very solid, hopefully, connection uh, through the web by Bryce Cotton who's in Australia, um, NBL champion and MVP, and uh, uh, somebody who's being impacted by this global pandemic on a, on a worldwide level. Um, Bryce, thanks for joining us. And, man, take me, take me through just what the initial experience was once we all found out about this, this virus spreading the way it did and how that affected your season as it was, you know, it, it going on. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was crazy, man, unprecedented. At first, you know, we're going through the tail end of the regular season. You hear about it in China, and then you hear Korea, and it's like it's, it's almost like it's slowly migrating to where you're at. And, you know, you fast forward to um, our our final series, you know, we uh, play best of five, best of uh, five series, and we were getting ready to uh, prepare for a game four, I believe it was, and stuff had gotten so out of hand that, um, yeah, they ended up canceling uh, the rest of the series. Uh, it was it was crazy because I want to say there was a flight, uh, a flight actually where we took off to Sydney, we played game one, and when we got back, uh, we found out we were on the uh, playing with somebody that actually had a confirmed case of coronavirus. So that was uh, a bit of a scare right there. And um, But they determined nobody was, I guess, high risk because I guess it wasn't too common to catch it over the plane. But um, things just really started going downhill from there. But uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get to you know, get that third win, um, even though they awarded us the champs. Uh, it was, it's just crazy um, for how our season ended like this. But 
Uh, I think we were one of the last basketball leagues actually to still be playing though before we stopped. Right, right. You, I mean, this is you. You got an interesting perspective, obviously, um, having played in the NBA and and now being a champion and MVP, as I mentioned, you know, in in Australia. Did what? What was your thought when you first heard about the the NBA shutdown? That that had to come as a stunner. You know, I was on I was on the air. I was working that night. I went into the studio at NBA TV, and um, we heard about Rudy Gobert coming off the floor and that they had held things up. And we were kind of looking at each other like, uh-oh, what's going on? Before the night was out, the season was suspended. You know, did, did that come as, as a huge shocker in, in Australia as it did here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, like you said, uh, right, wrong, and different, you know, I guess people were probably paying attention to the virus. Um, uh, in in different ways, but once we saw, at least for us, you know, okay, the NBA shutting down because of this, you know, it's got to be serious because you've never heard of, you know, any you know professional league, you know, of that magnitude shutting down due to a, uh, you know, uh, some form of a flu or something of that sort. So we knew it was for real uh, at that point. We probably should have, you know, taken it a little bit more serious before, but. Um, Considering when the NBA did that, we figured it was probably only a matter of time before everybody else followed suit. What? So what is? I mean, people. I don't know if people understand the the way the basketball ecosystem works. You know, the the way the structure is in in Europe and other parts of the world compared to the NBA season and all that. What did this? What has this stoppage done to your basketball calendar? Just how you function as a professional basketball player every year? Like, how is this? change the course of what you would be doing at this time say you know so the championship's over say you you win a championship that's done your next normal Mm -hmm. step would have been what um i mean around this time because in australia you know like you said with the season being done we finish in march you still got the opportunity um if this is you know a, a regular season or whatever you get to go finish the rest of the season on a European team or somewhere of that sort. So you still got somewhere to pick up another contract for another, you know, six to eight weeks. And um, it it definitely does affect your pockets a little bit, but Mm -hmm. um, I think playing in the NBL, um, trying to find the silver line and there's a little bit of a bright side. We pretty much got to play our entire season. So that didn't um, affect us to the same extent it has done other leagues, but um you know, being able to double dip, you know, once the season's done, it's definitely affected that. Yeah. So for you, I mean, being a, a kid who's born and raised in, in Tucson and, and then playing at Providence, um, you know, you you know how the basketball uh, system works and just, you know, what, what the game means to guys, what it means to put in the work that you always put in. Um, has this has this allowed you, I guess, in, in some strange way, has this been a – uh, an opportunity maybe to step away from that for a time being and, and be more engaged at the house with family and, you know, and all that sort of thing. I mean, how has this changed for you in terms of just lifestyle, in terms of being able to focus on things you wouldn't normally focus on? I was laughing to my wife. I'm usually riding into the playoffs and I've been covering the NBA for almost 20 years. I'm riding into the playoffs, going into my normal routine in the spring. And instead we've been cleaning out the basement you know, working in the yard. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the, the nuts and bolts of your day clearly must have changed dramatically. Yeah, man, it, it really has, you know, but it, it's good, though, because for me, um, I got a, a four-month four-month-old daughter and you know during the season sometimes you may be gone for you know four or five days because uh, of a road trip or something of that sort so um now where she's starting to get her personality and you know find her voice and start to laugh and all that stuff now um it's good that you know we all got to be home by default so I, I get to spend all the time with her and you know do all the dad stuff and you know help out now and change diapers and stuff. Cause I definitely wasn't doing too much of that during the season, <laughs> but I'm playing catch up now, but it's, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. No question. So from, from a strictly basketball perspective, I mean, you, you dealt in the NBA and then you, you know, obviously have played at, at an extremely high level in the NBL, um, not just on a team, but starring, you know, MVP and a champion. How's that journey been for you at 27 years old to to have reached the level you've reached in the NBL? Um, I mean, it's it's amazing, man. Honestly, um, you know, I had a brief stint in the NBA and um, able to make that, but I felt like you know, running into somewhat of a numbers game or, or really learning you know, what the politics of basketball can be uh, with my time in the NBA. Um, I just really grew to appreciate being somewhere that uh, wanted me and just was going to let me play my game full out. And um, it's just been, you know, I, I can't even put it into words. You know, I've been out here three and a half seasons and won three championships, uh, two finals MVPs, two league MVPs. Like it's, crazy and um you know i've I've filed for uh citizenship so i could potentially um get citizenship and i've I've heard of guys playing um that have been americans and got citizenship out here who played in the nbl and they went on to play in the olympics for australia so just knowing that that's even a, a possibility for me um just based off of you know basically three really good seasons um, it's crazy. Um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And the way I look at it, you know, I just control what I can control. And if this is where I'm playing at, then it's it's my job and my responsibility to play at the uh, highest level that, that I can while I'm here. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I'm always talking to guys about the fact that, you know, the NBA is the, the best league in the world. Everybody understands it. But there's so much basketball going on around the world. And if you haven't ever – been somewhere else to see the game and to understand how important the game is to some people, you wouldn't appreciate it. Like, I wonder what your appreciation level was for the basketball and fans and the way they embraced it once you got to Australia. I wonder what that looked like to you coming from the States for the first time to see it. Like, was it, was it a kind of a hair raising experience just to realize, man, you can play this game on the other side of the world and get, get lost in it, you know, in a good way and get totally caught up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it was, I, I don't want to say it was a shock or anything. Cause I, I came over here, you know, not really knowing what to expect. Um, in mm-hmm. my brief time with, when I was playing with Utah, I remember Dante, uh, Exum and Joe Ingles, they had told me a little bit about Australia and there was a league 
uh, professional league over there, you know, but they didn't go into too much detail over that. But, um, you know, lo and behold, a few, a few years later, once I found myself heading out that way, um, I just went over there with an open mind. But we have a great fan base over here, man. And our home games sit like 12, 13,000 fans, you know, and it's pretty much packed out um, every game. So uh, the energy there, it's it's a feeling I can't even describe, <laughs> especially once you get rolling and, you know, it seems like you – can't miss that night you know the crowd is just going crazy so it's a really fun environment to play in and it makes it that much better that you know uh we're continuing a winning culture uh, over here in front of these fans so it's it's definitely uh fun and live for sure yeah now i mean you were a, a, a nba d league all rookie selection first team in 2015 um like like you mentioned you've you've been on nba teams and had that experience who was it or what was it that led you to Australia in the first place? What was the thing that in your mind said, you know what, let me try this, let me get off this one track, get on this other one, and see what it, where it takes me? <laughs> All right, so making a long story short, um, at the beginning of this mm-hmm. 2016 basketball season, um, I played for Anadolu Efes, which is uh, in Turkey, a EuroLeague team at the time. And mm-hmm. um, I had to go home in December for a couple of days because there was uh, like family emergencies and stuff going on. So mm-hmm. when I went home, uh, there was like a lot of terrorist stuff happening in Turkey. And like a bomb had went off maybe 20 or 25 minutes from my apartment where I lived, followed mm-hmm. by, by a lot of gunfire. And so when I was home and I saw it on the news and found out where it was, I said, okay, I'm not going back there because, you know, you being that far away from home, the last thing you want to be worried about is safety. Right. So my agent presented me with um, two two offers, basically. He said, okay, uh, we waited for maybe two, three weeks, came up with some offers, and he said, I can either go to Russia to finish out the season, or he said, I can go to um, Australia. And at that time, because I wasn't really enjoying my European experience anyway, I didn't want to go back to Europe. So I said, you know, I'll I'll do the Australia thing. And he had told me, he said, that team was in, I think, second to last place at the time. So he said, you'll probably only be there six weeks. Team's not going to make the playoffs. And you can just have an early off season and, you know, mentally regroup for next year. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, send me there. <laughs> and then uh, somehow, some way, we ended up not only making the playoffs, we won the championship thing. That's when I got my first grand uh, finals MVP. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the game all over again. And it was like, this is, you know, it just felt great to know, like, okay, here's a team that's really just letting me be me. And the fans love me and the, and the team. Like, I got along with the team so well. Um, and I just kept coming back after that ever since. And, you know, this wasn't really something that I had in, pl- in my plans, but it just kind of happened by chance. And um, it's, it's just been blessing after blessing ever since then. Yeah. What, now, I know guys keep uh, a lot of different contacts in, in the basketball world. Who is, I mean, have you been talking to other guys who are in different parts of the world about what their experience is right now, what they got going on? I know, like I said, I know you got the four-month-old. You, you got a lot of other duties on, on, you know, on your plate right now. But 
what's it been like trying to stay in contact with other guys that are, that are players around the world right now? Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I probably haven't been in touch with as much people as, as I probably should have, but for mm-hmm. the guys I have talked to, they all were able to, uh, get back home. Like all the American guys I know, they was able to get back home and, and things of that sort. And, um, considering obviously it just seems like, you know, the whole world is just kind of on pause right now while this virus stuff is happening. But, um, I think a lot of the guys are happy at least to be dealing with this at home versus, you know, being stuck in a, in a foreign country, like they're around their family, they love one. So it makes it a little bit easier for them to deal with, um, from, from what they tell me. So that's always, um, I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is now it's is it on lockdown right now? Like, are you guys, we got shelter and home situations here in the States and, you know, schools out, you know, everybody's doing stuff remotely, staying in their own houses, trying to avoid crowds and, you know, the social distancing thing that, that has become basically the norm for everybody here. What's, what is it like in the streets in Perth right now? Is it, is it the same? Yeah, fairly similar. Um, I can't remember if it's all the jobs, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure everybody that's working, they work from home. Uh, I think they just changed the rule today where you're not allowed to be with more than two people or something like that at a time. And, um, yeah, the being in the house stuff, that's almost a given to where um, pretty much the only place you can go is, like, the grocery store or maybe to get gas, but um, they're really trying to enforce making sure people aren't in, you know, groups of more than two, like if you're not with your immediate family or something like that. I think they said they're going to start flying like drones and stuff just to, I guess, check certain areas to make sure people are abiding by those rules. So it's time to crack down. It's getting a little more serious now. Yeah. That's, I mean, so when you, you mentioned that you applied for citizenship, how does that work for you? Um, as a professional player who's still living there, do you, there are no restrictions for you in terms of whether you could leave or come back, but you have family that, that has to be accounted for, your wife or your girlfriend and your, and your child. How does that work just from a standpoint of where you could go or what you could do as an American citizen? Um, you're talking about like just for this year or in general? Just this year, I mean, just now, just for right now. If you wanted to um, say, say you wanted to try and get home to, you know, to see your family here in the States, how would that work? So, yeah, if if I wanted to go, I'm free to go, uh, going mm-hmm. back home. But um, it's just for them, you know, America's not going to let them in. They're right. going to let me in. So, um, you know, it just – it doesn't make – um, any sense at, the, at this point to go out there that is I want to see my family back home um, because Australia also closed their borders for the next six months I believe to oh, wow. any foreigners so if like I'm free to go home if I go like I'm not getting back in here gotcha. at least for six months or something like that gotcha. unless they change that rule right right that's got to be something too I mean things that you probably never imagined you'd be dealing with you know, given where your career has taken you and and now <clears throat> what this virus has done, this global pandemic has done to the entire world. Um, I'm, I wonder what that's like to be in touch with what's going on here, but obviously have a focus on what's going on in Australia. We, because none, we don't know how this plays out. Nobody knows where we're going to be 
a month from now. If you'd have told me, you know, at March 31st, I'd be sitting at home and, and everything would be shut down. I would have, I wouldn't have been, been able to wrap my head around it. And now it's the only thing I can comprehend going forward. I don't know where we come out of this set or, or how we move on from this. Um, have you, have you given any thought to where your career goes in the coming years? I mean, there'll probably be opportunities for you to play in, in a lot of different places, being the champion and the, and the MVP that you've been in the NBL. Um, have you thought down the road at all about where your career goes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I, I think about each year. Um, you know, obviously the goal is to, you know, if, if I can, you know, ever get back into the NBA, that's always the first thing I would do. But um, as far as other places go, like I'm always open to um, different opportunities, but uh, I got one more year on my, uh, my contract here in Perth because I had signed a three year uh, two years ago. So this is my last year coming up. And, right. um, you know, it's especially like you said, given, some of the success we've uh, I've had within these uh, past few years, I think it'll open up some doors, but um, I kind of just, you know, take it one day at a time. You know, I can't, as much as I think about, okay, I could play here, I could play there. Like it doesn't mean anything until your agent comes to you and tells you, you know, he has some offers for you. So I kind of, you know, fantasize about it a little bit, but then I wait to see <laughs> what he has for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing. And I, and I, like I said, I appreciate you Bryce taking the time. I wonder what this does, what coming out of this global pandemic will do to the international basketball scene for American players. Will they, will they be apprehensive maybe about making some of the moves they've made in the past or will the experiences that you've had give you the confidence to know what can be done moving forward in it and what will be a changed world for everybody um, in, in every business in every sense of the word um how how eager do you think young guys will be to go take that risk overseas and to go play and and forge a career elsewhere coming out of this COVID-19 uh, situation um I mean in my opinion I don't I don't think um players will look at it as a risk because it's not like it you know specifically just hit overseas you know I mean it's hit the entire world. So, yeah. you know, if you're looking at it as a fear of something like that happening again, it's like, no matter where you at, it's as good a chance as any, no matter where you are. So, um, I don't think that that should really be a fear. Um, uh, because again, this is unprecedented. I, I try to think of, you know, when has something like this ever happened before to try to, you know, make some type of uh, comparison, but there is none. And, you know, this isn't really something, you can kind of prepare for. And I don't think a pandemic like this is um, something you should have in your mind um, as for what's making you determine whether you play ball or not, considering it affected, uh, it's in, uh, affecting the whole world. So um, but I, don't, I don't think they should overthink it. Got you, man. I, listen, I appreciate it, Bryson. Take care of yourself and your family over there in Perth, man. We, uh, Hopefully we get a chance to see you back. I, I watch the NBA highlights all the time. Uh, Bo Estes, who works with us at NBA TV, does those highlights. So I get a chance to see him and get familiar with what you've got going on over there, man. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable to see you having all the success that you're having over there. And um, hopefully, you know, everybody comes at us on the other side. And who knows, like you said, that 
that citizenship over there might lead to some opportunities in international basketball. Maybe we see you down the road in some Olympic or World Cup competition. It'd be, it'd be great to see you doing that. Yeah, for real, man. Time will travel All right. Thanks, Bryce. Appreciate you. All right. Have a good one. Appreciate Bryce Cotton joining us. Uh, you hope that he and his family are certainly taking care of themselves and staying safe in Perth, Australia, uh, as they fight through however long this global pandemic continues to affect us. Um, as mentioned earlier, we also get a coach's perspective. Uh, David Gale, who's in Germany, but whose family, is, is stretched around the globe. He, he's in one spot. His wife, as he'll mention, is in another, um, with another, giving you another seriously sober view of how we're all affected by something that nobody saw coming in this global pandemic. As mentioned, we're trying to get our hands around this global pandemic and how it's affecting people in the basketball world around the globe. And uh, David Gale is joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast, head coach at Porsche BBA um, in Germany as we speak. And uh, coach, how are you doing first and foremost? I hope you and all your loved ones are safe. Doing doing good out here, trying to, trying to keep busy, but a uh, little bit tough to do it at the moment, but doing yeah. well out here. Yeah, it's it's such a. I mean, I know as a coach and as a longtime coach, you've been all over. You know, the the the, the NBA. Um, you've worked in different leagues around the globe. This, and it's such a regimented lifestyle um, for myself as well. Even just as a member of the media, I'm thinking how used to the the basketball schedule I am. I'm in in the start of April. I know the playoffs are coming. And you know, in a couple of weeks, so my life, my family, my wife, my kids—they all understand what our schedule is. And, and I'm curious as to just what a complete and utter disruption to your normal schedule this global pandemic has to be. Well, let's—I uh, I guess I can give you just a, a, a snippet of where we were in the season. With I'm I'm currently a head coach, the uh, top under-19 team here in Germany, and assistant coach with our Bundesliga club, which is the top league here in Germany. Mm-hmm. So with the under-19 team, we were – the playoff brackets had just come out, and we were set to try and go win a championship as the number one, number one seed in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And with the Bundesliga team, we were – we had about – I believe it was 10 games left and we were second place in the entire league right behind Bayern Munich. Mm. So for all of that, you're, you, you prepared from basically last May, building your roster, recruiting your players, uh, getting guys in here, convincing. We've, we've got a bunch of American youth players here that have, you know, American soldier fathers and mm. convincing them to stay rather than maybe go to the high school in the U S or move to a different country. And, you've built that for an entire year and all of a sudden it just right when you're ready to, to go, go, go after what you've been building towards, it all comes to a halt. So (laughs) that's kind of what, what it felt like here. You know, all of a sudden you just, it's, it's just, it just ends. Yeah. From a, from a, just a, a living standpoint, what has it, the change been like, you know, in terms of you go from being able to move around and do your normal business to, 
lockdown. And, and uh, Germany, correct me if I'm wrong, has been ahead of the U.S. in terms of dealing with this. Yeah, so I, I can just tell you, we had our last game on March 8th, and then we had a player in, in the youth program at the, at the younger uh, age group. Uh, his family, someone in his family tested positive on March 10th, and basically from March 11th on, we've kind of been kind of been at, at a standstill. Um, so to go from being involved in two, anywhere from two to four practices every single day with the different clubs to uh, trying to organize one player at a time to meet with them outdoors and, and get some sort of cardio and, and plyometric workout in has been, has been a very different lifestyle. But um, yeah, here in Germany, they've had, well, you can't go outdoors with unless it's a family member or one other person, and that's been going on for about two weeks now. Okay, wow. This, so you guys are at least able to stay in touch with your players and try and coordinate some sort of activity for them? We can, we, we've been able to, myself and, and our strength coach, uh, we've been able to coordinate activity for them, but it hasn't. I apologize for my dog in the background there. No, no <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it has it's been no basketball activities. Uh, Germany has shut down every indoor basketball court, every playground. They have they have tape around the playgrounds. Um, so we've been able to stay in contact through video chats or or text messaging or, or um, different group chats we have. But other than one on one you know, outdoor cardio workouts, we haven't been able to do very much. So I, I know how serious it must have been, obviously, when they shut things down in Germany. I was, I was on set on, uh, on the night that Rudy Gobert's information came out and they halted the games and suspended the NBA season, which up until that moment that I walked into the studio and, and we got word of that, the, the coronavirus pandemic was something that was in my you know I seen it on the news kind of understood oh, all right this must be pretty serious it didn't hit me until that night how truly serious it was for the league to shut down the, you you understand the the expanse <laughs> of the NBA that that had to shock I'm assuming everybody else in the basketball ecosystem as well when you look up and say oh goodness the NBA is shutting down indefinitely Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, that was, that was a, a definite, I think a wake up for the rest of the world. Uh, I know, I know, you know, people in the NBA have kind of said, you know, everyone to an extent should thank, thank the first players who tested positive because it really made everyone realize how serious this was. But I, I still remember where I, I was sitting here prepping for, for our playoffs and I saw it pop up, you know, the notification from ESPN mm -hmm. that, and I reached out to some of my friends that, you know, front office people, different coaches around the league. And just as soon as that happened, it, it, it kind of became much more real, I think, to everybody. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that's a – sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that it just uh, – until the league, until the NBA canceled – or canceled, uh, postponed the season, mm -hmm. other leagues around the, the world didn't really follow until – they saw the NBA do it. Right. Uh, you mentioned conversations with other people. I mean, it, it, everybody is so interconnected, you know, globally 
in, in this basketball world. What have some of those conversations been like in terms of, you know, the disruption, as I mentioned earlier, to everybody's way of doing business? Like this is a very specific time when, when we get to March and April and early spring leading up to the draft. Um, how has that disrupted, do you think, everybody's way of doing the business of basketball that doesn't get seen in the public? All of the work that goes on now behind the scenes to prepare for whatever the next event might be, the draft, summer leagues, uh, the, you know, the, the restart of whatever season, wherever you are, how much of that has, do you think is being completely um, transformed by this pandemic and the shutdown? Uh, well, I can tell you, I've, you know, I've started to, I think every, every young coach, especially, um, and, and then, uh, from, for example, for myself, who I, I, I was in the NBA uh, for over a decade, and then I've now been overseas for for a, a couple of years. And the goal is obvious is always to get back home. So you you kind of have your off season planned out and different events. And um, you know, I've I've talked to trainers, uh, uh, guys who work out players before the pre draft, and mm-hmm. that's completely on hold. Um, so you, you have to think about their lives or they, they count on this time. Um, and that, that is completely put, put off right now. All the guys who would be getting in LA or New York or Chicago working out. Um, and then the draft, you don't know when the draft's going to happen. Uh, if the league ends up getting pushed back to, you know, maybe September, as it's been talked about the entire timeline of, of people being able to be hired for next season, um, players contracts you know when how does that work um coaches who currently have contracts that only go until june 30th uh on these large staffs where it's already been discussed about cutting salaries would would teams cut coaches in the middle of a of a season just to save money um you know uh different leagues start up at different times so would would the european league start back up next year if the nba season is still in the season before and colleges haven't had the same turnover because they don't want to let people go or you know it's it kind of throws everything off at every single level yeah it's, it's such a yeah. such a strange thing to, to wrap your head around I was I was thinking about how you know how this specifically affects players you know the, the high school kids who are making college choices the college players who are deciding whether or not they want to stay in school for another year or want to put the names into the draft uh, does it does it take the evaluation process for everybody and throw it into a disarray? Because I don't I don't know how you would properly evaluate anybody without the pre-draft camp and without some of that person-to-person contact that normally goes on leading into that process. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've had that discussion with some of my coaches over here, my uh, my assistant coaches over here, who don't know the process as well, but. When I was in Toronto, I was I was very much tied in with the the pre-draft process and the workouts, and um, it, you know it's it, it's a multi-million-dollar decision every time you draft a player. So can you really can you really make that choice when you haven't met the per, the, the player in person? Um, can can these players make their decisions about staying in or leaving the draft? Uh, you know, we had a discussion the other day. Is it going to make Will, will more players go back to school and will it make college a better better product next year? Um, 
will it kind of make the draft class next season that much deeper and, and maybe affect what we have a player here who would be eligible for the draft for 2021 uh, who won the basketball without borders global camp MVP this year. So if these players all go back to school, would it make his draft class that much deeper and affect his draft stock? So it, it's just a trickle down domino effect. Um, but I, as you said, I'm not sure that teams can make their, their decisions without the full evaluation period. Uh, at the same time, I don't know how that can possibly happen with, with the situation right now. It's, it's just, like I said, it's really been, it seems like it's been so long and it's only been less than a month that, that everybody's dealing with this too. It's, <laughs> you know, when you have everything shut down at once like that, it just is such a joke to the system. I was, I was thinking about, the, the NCAA tournament is normally what we'd be focused on right now. And, of course, that's been canceled. So we don't have that as, as kind of an outlet to even digest while you're dealing with some of this other stuff. I, I don't know how this colors the future because we don't know how this is going to end. But do you think in, in a league where for years – David Stern and now Adam Silver, they've always been at the forefront of trying to expand the game globally um, and to make it a, a truly global game. Does this affect the, the global impact that the league has? Like, well, do, do you think there are more players who will be prone to stay where they are, stick closer to home, to not go across oceans and not go to the other side of the world to pursue careers or their playing opportunities based on what's going on right now with the global pandemic? It's a good question. And, and it's made us, um, I, you know, we have a couple of players right now who are in their first year in Europe uh, as Americans uh, who mm-hmm. I think have contemplated or, or have a very good opportunity um, to maybe get onto a summer league roster and then maybe two-way, two-way contracts or uh, end of bench spots. You know, for example, Royce O'Neal played played in this program a number of years ago, and now mm. just signed to a big big contract. Um, right. So, so guys like that, I think, you know, we looked at it from that side. Are, are they going to be more prone to maybe stay and and do the G League if they don't get an opportunity to to have an NBA contract simply because they're so far away from home when they leave? And and I think vice versa, the younger guys. Um, you know, I, from the guys that we have here, I don't think it would affect the younger guys as much contemplating going going to the NBA because it's still such a such a goal that all these players have, and so, and, and it's a, a league that everyone kind of looks to, uh, especially when you're a younger player, um, to say that's that's where I want to be. Um, mm-hmm. You just just the marketing aspect of it, and 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 the the skill level is just. I think so much uh, further along than than the marketing and the and the product in Europe. Now, it's not to say the basketball is any worse here, because I think there's a lot of things about the basketball here that are better. Um, but right. as far as I can tell, I don't think that it would affect players going overseas. I, I do think it might affect Americans coming over to Europe, though. Really, I I just think that's the mindset as, of American players. It's um, they come over here sometimes as a last resort where the European guys, most of them, the younger ones are aiming for the NBA. Right. 
right, right. You you mentioned the difference in terms of some things that you think are, are better in the in the system overseas. What what specifically do you think is more beneficial? And you would know you've coached and, and worked in player development. You would understand exactly what the merits of each system bring. I to me um, coming over here and seeing the the willingness of the players here just to play together and move the basketball um, from a young age. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm a product of the, the AAU system and, and travel ball and, and uh, ABCD camp and all that stuff. You know, I was, I was the age group uh, the, the year that Lenny Cook and LeBron went head to head at ABCD camp. I was, I was that year. I was at that camp. Oh, so wow. Okay. Just that whole, you know, one-on-one and the, the mentality of those coaches. Um, I've been removed from it for a while, but you don't see that here at a young age. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the kids here are taught very early on to, to play as a team. And, and as you get up to the, to the better levels, you know, the, the, the Bundesliga here in Germany and then Euro League as the highest level in Europe, um, you, you see just better teamwork, better ball movement, uh, more focus from a young age on, on really – the basic skill set and building from there. Um, so I, I, to me, it just, the, the, pro, the, the basic product uh, is better. Now the NBA has better athletes. Um, you've got uh, the, the spacing aspect and, and the, the analytics is ahead of the European game. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that the teamwork and, and the creativity in offense, uh, you see it now. A lot of coaches have uh, some of the best ones. Quinn Snyder, you know, was over here, and he's he's implemented a lot of the stuff from over here into to what the Jazz do. And um, you see the 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 better ball movement offenses have a lot of aspects of what the European teams do. Got you. And I I know I noticed you know even watching Luka Doncic this year in Dallas. Um, and yeah. Carlisle's one of the, the best coaches, obviously, to ever do it. You could see the influence of, of maybe how they play, how they operate around Luca, and those influences are very strong. For years, Greg Popovich and the Spurs have been ahead of the league in terms of playing that style, and maybe that lends itself to the collaboration and coaching. I know all of these coaches are crossing oceans at, at one part or another of the season of the year, really the calendar year to exchange ideas and to work on some of these things. Do you, do you think a a time like this when everybody has to actually stop and reevaluate is, is beneficial? Cause that was the one thing I thought about is that if everybody is, is stepping back and taking a deep breath, that means everybody's analyzing and evaluating how they do things and maybe rethinking some things at a time when normally we don't, I mean, everybody's usually running on that wheel where you don't have time to stop and, and really take a breath and examine the game top to bottom, how you operate and the, the efficiency of what you do for everybody. Yeah, I think I was actually thinking about that today. Uh, as a matter of fact, that, that generally in the off season, the, the small window you get, you don't want to think about, about basketball as much as you possibly can. You want to spend time with your family and you want to relax. And the, the timing of this and what it seems like is going to be the, the length of this, I think it's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity where a lot of people are, are really going to 
you know, you, you start, you see it already with um, online coaching clinics and, and free tutorials and, and uh, teams and, and, and different people from different walks of life and different areas of basketball doing zoom um, Instagram live chat sessions and sharing them. And um, I, I do think it's, it's a, in a way, um, it, it could be very beneficial because people are just sharing ideas in ways that they haven't done before. Um, and, and if you really want to use this time to your advantage, you know, you can, you can look at what you do and look at what others do better and, and try and create some sort of uh, new game plan or, or tweak what you do. Um, Cause there's just so much information being shared at the moment um, that it's, it, it could it could be a time you see some some great ideas coming out in the next couple of years, and maybe people look back to say this is when it happened. It's such a strange time, Coach. Um, I know for you and and for everybody involved, um, not just on a basketball level, obviously, but a human level. I just, you know, you got parent. I, you know, I, I think about my my dad, who's you know in his seventies, and you think about all these other people and how they're affected. Um, it it kind of takes some of that narrow focus that we have this time of year in March and April of an NBA season or a basketball season, wherever you are, and it places the emphasis on so many different things. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you've got all of that to handle as well as your responsibilities with the team and coaching those two teams. So um, continued uh, safety and, and to you and your family and the, everybody you're involved with over there and, uh, I don't know where we come out of this, but but I certainly hope we come out of it with some fresh perspective for everybody involved. In it. I I uh, I would agree with you there. I, you know, I, it, everyone should be focused on their family at the moment. Uh, uh, just to share one little thing, we, my sure. wife and I have have decided that you know we're we've kind of taken care of our stuff here. We've taken our time to get everything situated, mm-hmm. and we decided because of. How, how the age of our parents and, and taking care of family at the moment is the most important. Uh, where she's going to head back to Toronto to, to be with her, her parents at this time, you know, mm-hmm. as you, you see, if, if things go bad, they go bad very quickly with a lot of people. So um, we've decided that, you know, we know we love each other and we're going to take care of, take care of ourselves. And uh, we think it's more important to be with our parents at the time. Um, than necessarily to stay here in Germany. So uh, I will be here handling my business and she will be in Canada. But, uh, you know, I think everyone needs to take care of their own situations at the moment and, and really, uh, really worry about family first. And then and, and if I were to give advice to people, it would be stay inside because the, the, the more we stay inside, the sooner this can be over for everybody. No doubt about it. David Gale. Thank you, Coach, for joining us. And uh, we hope everybody, like you said, does the right thing and, and takes care of their family first. Thanks, Eku. We can't thank our guests enough, Bryce Cotton of the Perth Wildcats and Coach David Gale, who's over in Germany at Porsche BBA, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast to really just put a, a human face and sound to what's going on in the basketball world um, and in our world in general. I mean, a complete shutdown of life as we know it. And it certainly has its effects on us in the basketball ecosystem. So appreciate those guys joining us. 
Uh, we are committed, obviously, to giving you new content throughout the course of this global pandemic. It's not what we're going to be used to here on the Hang Time Podcast, but it'll certainly be pertinent and timely information about what's going on and where we're headed. Um, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Seiku Smith's Hang Time Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans.